And when we can go protein free, animal protein free for a couple of days, it just gives your body a break. It gives your metabolism a break. It gives your digestion a break. It doesn't work as hard. Hi, I'm Maria, otherwise known as the Fit Foodie. I'm a chef, holistic nutritionist, author, inventor, and mom. And I wanna welcome you to my podcast. It's called Recipes for Your Best Life. And with every episode, I'm peeling back the onion on fitness, nutrition, health, wellness, and family. The truth is you're the chef of your life. And for every important pillar, there's a great recipe worth sharing. So every week we'll explore them together. Think of it as food for thought that you can really sink your teeth into. So join me and let's squeeze the joy out of this life because you only get one. Can I get a fork, yeah? Could our treatment of animals be the cause of COVID-19? Well, it's a loaded question that has had the interwebs raging with opinions as emotionally charged as a political debate. But I'll tell you, I'm not surprised. I actually made the same comment to my husband when it all got started. Just look at the facts. Farm-raised seafood have a 90 to 95% incidence of contracting lice because of cramped, filthy quarters. CAFO farms keep cows so tightly packed together, it's hard to imagine that they wouldn't easily transfer disease between each other on an everyday basis. And chickens can be even worse with zoonotic bacteria like Salmonella, Listeria, Campylobacter, and E. coli from them that are commonplace and they can make you incredibly ill and even kill you. And don't even get me started on the now infamous wet markets of China. Here's the deal. COVID-19 is zoonotic. I reported about this back when the disease was first getting started. Zoonotic means it can transmit from animals to humans. And when you look at the causes of many major diseases of recent years, they have been zoonotic meaning that their origin is in animals and they can be transmitted from one to another. That includes avian flu, Ebola, HIV, swine flu, SARS, and many others. And these all arose in humans after infections from other species. Zoonotic diseases happen when humans and animals are near each other. Common activities include human-animal interaction, like farming, hunting, ranching, and keeping, keeping animals as pets. Human-animal contact is heightened when humans encroach on wild lands. I mean, just think about it. Those little critters that are running through uh, farmlands, and that's generally the cause of contamination, especially when you're talking about fresh produce. Listen. I am not a vegan, okay? I'm just gonna come out and say it. So I am definitely not in the camp saying that we need to completely eliminate the consumption and contact with animals. But there have been documented epidemics by various strains of animal contracted disease and flu for the past century. I mean, it's something we need to take a look at. The 1918 flu, infected over a quarter of the world's population and killed over 50 million people. 
That's a whole hell of a lot of people. And it was caused by an H1N1 virus that historians say likely originated in a Kansas chicken farm. An H1N1 strain that reached pandemic levels in the U.S. and Mexico in 2009. I remember this so clearly because it was just when I was starting my business. Likely had its origins in the pig populations of both countries, too. Ebola and HIV which transferred to humans from primates like chimpanzees and gorillas, were discovered in regions of sub-Saharan Africa, where communities were near primate populations. And many zoonotic diseases are the result of human farming. You know, it's one of those things that when you look at pandemic diseases and you look especially at what's taken place in the last hundred years, We need to understand that this relationship that we have with animals, whether we're eating them or raising them or coming into contact with them, are creating catastrophic disease. Now, there are a handful of foodborne diseases that you can only get from eating undercooked meat. So like, for example, if you eat undercooked pork or raw pork, or you eat undercooked chicken or raw chicken, you will be at risk for getting those diseases that are associated with those animals. But if you cook them thoroughly, you know, to the kill point, which is different depending on that product with turkey and chicken, it needs to be at an internal temperature of at least 165 degrees at the thickest point, then you're in a better position to prevent getting sick. And of course, if you stopped eating pork or chicken altogether, you wouldn't have to worry about that. But our proximity to animals and contact with the animals is also something that we need to take a look at. Have you ever wondered, is rinsing my produce with the water that comes out of the sink that I don't even drink enough to really clean it? Well, then you're one of the smartest people I know because you're absolutely right. It's not enough. That's why we created the only all-natural and patented line of food wash and wipes, and it's called Eat Cleaner. It's tasteless, odorless, and lab-tested, and it removes up to 99.9% of the residue that water can't, including pesticides, wax, soil, and junk that can carry bacteria, that can really make you sick. Plus, we formulated it to help extend the shelf life of your fresh produce too. And that'll save you money. When your berries are lasting up to 10, 12 days, you know that's a good thing. It helps your produce last up to five times longer using a natural blend of fruit acids and antioxidants. So there's no chemicals. It's just clean eating fun. And this can help save your family an average of over $500 per year. Make it easy on yourself reduce waste, and get that fruit and veggies into your body, where it's going to do you a lot of good and not in the trash. Check us out, eatcleaner.com, or head to our Amazon store at amazon.com forward slash eatcleaner. Now, consuming less animal products in general is a good idea. 
It's a good idea for our health, for the environment's health. And when you look at COVID-19 specifically, it is very much traced to the wet markets of Wuhan, China. As much as we don't want to come out and talk about it and pinpoint it to a certain geography, it's time that we face the facts and we really understand how these diseases are starting and getting transmitted. There's a lot of potential contamination in the wet markets in general because A, uh, let me just say that it's not uh, the really clean environment, to put it lightly. People are eating things that they probably shouldn't be eating that can contract, they can contract horrible diseases from, like bats, for example, and other animals, other animals that are coming to the surface that are suspect, like an animal called the pangolin, pangolin, I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing that right, pangolin. It's also called a scaly anteater. It's considered a delicacy, just like bats are in some Asian countries, and it's illegally traded, but it can be a hotbed for disease. Wet markets are also places where you can buy live animals. And anytime you're buying live animals and they're stacked up on top of of each other in that kind of environment, it is very conducive to cross-species disease transfer. And that's exactly what's happening in most of the farming that's occurring in the U.S. CAFOs, um, the chicken farms where they're just stack up, stacked up on top of each other, the farm-raised seafood market where all of these fish are swimming in close proximity, the water is not right, they're not eating the right food, they're transmitting disease because of that close proximity. It is endemic in our now meat-eating culture. Now, it's impossible at this point to determine whether COVID-19 would have arisen without the existence of the wet markets or settings like it, but it's true that such markets supply the conditions for those diseases to arise and infect humans. And it's doing the same thing in how we raise the animals that we eat on a regular basis. SARS, otherwise known as severe acute respiratory syndrome, resulted from a virus transferring from bats to cats and then to humans. It was discovered in 2003 SARS originated at a wet market similar to what is now the suspect of the origin of COVID-19. We are not unfamiliar, friends. We are not unfamiliar. For a hundred years, we have seen this happening. But are we making the proper... Um, are we making the steps? Are we properly educating people? It doesn't seem like it. Now, there are practices that have been implemented, and I'm really familiar with these because this is the world that I've lived in in my business for over a decade. With livestock, for example, the USDA has implemented pathogen-reducing treatments like chlorine and paraacetic acid and many other treatments, lactic acid treatments, for example, to, to clean the livestock before it's processed. But the truth is there's still a lot of room for improvement. Not every single carcass and animal is properly documented or inspected. 
There is a lot that's happening across borders. We are getting food from all over the world. And less than one half of 1% of those imports is actually inspected. Now, reducing human contact with animals, eating less animals, taking proper steps are all ways that we can take matters into our own hands. And I can tell you firsthand, because of what I do in the world of fresh produce, the transmission of E. coli, salmonella, and listeria are not because of the produce. It's because of the fecal matter from animals. It's the runoff. It is the random bird flying over the field. It's the dirty hands that are picking and packing produce in the fields and not going through proper food safety and food washing practices. So COVID-19 is yet one more wake up call to our half asleep society. I say half asleep kindly. We're like walking zombies right now. And I'm sorry if this is coming across as harsh, but if our food supply and our industry is not going to stand up for us, we had better do it for ourselves. So you better believe that food is probably the cause of the mess that we're in. And until the farms do the right thing and we do the right thing, it's just going to proliferate because we are trying to feed so many more people. Well, here are some of the things that we can do to take matters into our own hands. And I'm just gonna say it, you gotta wash your produce. That produce that can be contaminated with E. coli, salmonella, and listeria cannot just get a casual rinse under the sink. It needs to be washed with a product that can cut through that surface. Cut through the surface tension, chelate bacteria, and the residue that water can't, and remove it. Because the truth is we're eating a lot of salads. We're drinking a lot of raw juices. And there is no kill step when it comes to eating raw produce. So you gotta wash it properly. <laughs> I mean, what do we clean with water alone? Friends, nothing. It's not clean, it's called a rinse. And I don't know about you, but after what's happened, I would never take a chance, not even with the pre-wash stuff, because most of that is just using a little bit of chlorine in a whole lot of water, and that's not cleaning. So wash your produce thoroughly with Eat Cleaner is number one. Number two is eat less animal protein or cut it out completely. For those of you out there listening going, hell if she's gonna tell me to cut protein from animal out. I get it, because I eat it too. But I will say you can cut down. And I talk about it in my book in detail. There's a whole chapter dedicated to that. You know, growing up, I grew up in the Coptic Orthodox faith and we fast almost 300 days a year, even though we are omnivores. And what does that mean? Well, for those almost 300 days, we're eating a modified diet. And that includes sometimes not eating any animal protein at all just eating a vegan diet. We do that for Easter, for example. And then every Wednesday and Friday, we avoid animal proteins like fish, chicken, beef, pork. We cut those out all together every Wednesday and Friday. 
And for many of the other feasts, we do the same thing. Now, what does that do? Well, it puts us in touch with our humanity and it makes us really understand and cherish where our food is coming from and the humanity that goes into cultivating those foods and the humanity of just our existence and that sacrifice is not a bad thing sometimes, but it's much healthier too. And when we can go protein-free, animal protein-free for a couple of days, it just gives your body a break. It gives your metabolism a break. It gives your digestion a break. It doesn't work as hard. So take a vegan fast break a couple of days a week and see how it helps you. Meatless Monday, you know, take a Wednesday or a Friday in addition to that. It's not a lot to give up, but the impact is tremendous. Number three is cook your proteins properly and know the right internal temperature. We know that there is a kill temperature for a lot of our conventional foods. Know what those are. Have those in front of you. Use a meat thermometer. It's not something that you should know automatically. And if you check out the show notes, I created a little guide for you. So you can print that out and put it on your refrigerator so you know exactly what the internal temperature should be. I would say, especially right now, I'd be really wary of eating raw sushi, raw fish in general, if it's not cured or treated with something that can affect, that can impact the bacteria. I wouldn't go there. Just saying, that's my own two cents. And I know it's also Bill Marler, who is the leading food safety attorney in the country. He'll tell you that it's something he just doesn't eat. He doesn't risk it. Why risk it? We just don't know these days, especially. So avoid the raw animal proteins and or cook your proteins properly and know the right internal temperature. Number four is practice smart foods handling and safety. You know, it, <laughs> I hate to say this, but it makes me really happy that we're putting so much focus right now on food safety and we're telling people to wash and sanitize and do all the things that they're supposed to do. But this should be something that we do on lock all the time, whether it's during the time of COVID-19 or any other day of the week. We should always be washing our hands properly. We should always be cutting, cleaning our cutting boards, using soap and water. We should always be sanitizing our cutlery, we should always be cleaning our food properly. We should always be avoiding cross-contamination. And that's just common sense. Not just at the restaurants that we eat at, but the place that we call home, where you and I are eating the majority of our meals nowadays, especially. And number five, please animal lovers, don't hate me right now, but please don't touch your animals or let them lick you and then touch your face or your food without washing your hands. I know your animals are your precious children. I get it. And they're part of your family. But again, the word zoonotic, let that sink in for a second. Things bite your animals and then you let them love you up, love your face up, love your hands up, and then you don't even wash your hands before you eat, ew. You know, I gotta share with you a story that happened with my daughter. When she was playing soccer um, several years ago, we went to an end of year, uh, end of the, the season party at 
one of her friends' house, really nice home in a very posh area of uh, Orange County. We were like, wow, this is a nice house. And um, they had found a rabbit, a wild rabbit, that they then took in as a pet. I mean, harmless little bunny, you know? Everybody wanted to pet the bunny. Well, my daughter took a special love to this bunny rabbit and held it and played with it and and petted it for, oh, a good long time. And then, well, it was time to go to the taco bar. And I didn't realize she hadn't washed her hands prior to eating. I have never seen my daughter that sick. The poor thing threw up all night. And it wasn't because of the food, because we all ate it. It was because of the rabbit. So they may be your animals. They may be something that's living in your household, but is your cat out and about? Is your dog getting bit by fleas and bugs? What could they be transmitting to you? Just do the right thing and make sure that you're cleaning properly. You're sanitizing around your animal. You're washing your hands. You know, during this time of COVID, I have been very, very careful not to pet any animals that aren't you know, I don't own pets right now, but I don't pet any animals when I'm out and about. And you, you should probably think twice to do the same. We got to be careful. You know, I think this idea of being uh, living a symbiotic life with animals, eating them and having them as pets and farming them. You know, we even in our neighborhood, I hear chickens cuckooing. <laughs> I know people have got animals. Uh, I know people are raising you know, all kinds of stuff around us. But I think we need to really think about that because if it's coming from the wet markets of Wuhan, China, or if it's coming from the, the neighborhood farm that is running a CAFO or anything else, we've got to pay attention. This is now the cause of so many diseases over the last century. Isn't it time we wake up? and take matters into our own hands. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I know you have a lot of choices out there of what to listen to, what to watch, so it means a lot to me that you're here with me. And hey, if you love this content, would you hit the subscribe button? I want you around. I don't want you to just show up for one episode and leave. I want you here, part of the conversation, a seat at this table. And while you're at it, would you share this with your friends and family? And if you take a screenshot and share it on your social media with a hashtag RFYBL for recipes for your best life, I'll make sure to personally give you a shout out and you may just be featured right here on the show. So until next time, here's to living deliciously and being the chef of your best life.